5: Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Dribble let's it fly. He thrills it. FNTSY and Sports Grid Network present. Ball
5: in his hands. Game in the line. Bloody you no. Know? Tipped up by Naz at the horn. Hardwood takeaways. It's lured. He got the shot off.
6: This is Hardwood Takeaways right here on the Sports Grid. I am Chris Welsh and I have got Woge Bombs for you. Wow. We've got some stuff to talk about. Joining me on this episode, whether he wanted to or not, is your favorite, the fan favorite, Houston's favorite. Well, there's one less guy in Houston now. It is Scott Bogman, other host of Hardwood Takeaways, joining on this episode because Bogman we got a Woge bomb as the NBA trade de- trade deadline is right around the corner it's Thursday 3 p.m. Eastern we always expect the last couple minutes to be the big you know run of huge trades well guess what they said no sir we're gonna do this on Wednesday we're gonna do this 24 to 36 hours beforehand we got a couple games to break down but the Houston Rockets just completed which I don't think I have ever seen before or remember a four player trade headlined by Clint Capella Bogman. So uh, first try to get through your misery and talk about what the trade was and then unleash the beast.
7: I don't understand it. Uh, I just don't get it at all. So here's uh, the, here's the tweet from Woj, which is 15 minutes old as we're recording this Um, uh, sources for team trade in agreement. Houston gets Robert Covington, Atlanta gets Clint Capella and Nene. Minnesota gets Malik Beasley, Juancho uh, Heron Gomez, Evan Turner, and Atlanta first-round pick, and uh, via the Nets, and Denver gets Gerald Green and a Houston first-round pick.
6: I so mean, so the Bogman.
7: Rockets gave up Capella, uh, Nene, which I don't care. Uh, Gerald Green and a first-round pick, basically to shed payroll, and they get Robert Covington, who I wanted. On the Rockets for the
6: entire season, not at the expense, but of not Capella, at the though. expense
7: of Clint Capella. This doesn't make any damn sense to me.
6: No, I mean you and I talked about this forever. I kept telling, I mean, I was you know digging under your skin about it because you kept saying we're going to get Covington. I said, well, Boggs, you guys don't have any assets. You're like, oh, we got assets. I'm like, we don't have any assets. You guys are also close up to the cap, and this is what the Rockets ended up doing. They moved three players, a first round pick. So they didn't have to pay luxury tax to get under, and they what? What I am astonished by in this trade is that they sacrificed dominance, dominance under the rim for a perimeter shooter. Which I don't know if you, anyone's aware of this breaking news: the Rockets love to play anywhere away from the rim. It's James Harden, it's Eric Gordon, it's Russell Westbrook. They just got. It just—it was just like they're like, well, Harden and Russ Westbrook. Here's their game plan. Here's D'Antoni. Wow, there's said. more to this. Well, I'm real sorry. quick, it was just, just like my my mindset was. D'Antoni says, here's what I want every play to look like. Westbrook or Harden drives the lane, and they either take the shot or they can chip it out to now Eric Gordon and Covington. So they literally just want to paint the corners with guys like Covington and Gordon, and then Harden and Westbrook take the ball, and there's nobody there to be a rim protector or get rebounds because well, they're just Harden, not worried
7: about it. Hart. Well, you know, Westy and Harden get a ton of rebounds, yeah, sure. as smaller guys, but uh, this is Mike D'Antoni thinking he's smarter than everybody else, or just trying to copycat what the uh, you know, what the Warriors do in the playoffs. Cause they go small. They haven't had a gigantic center in a while. You know, Draymond uh, at six, seven played a lot of centers, six, seven, six, eight, however tall he is shorter for a center. Uh, but the rest of this deal, and this just came down like a minute or two ago. Um, uh, uh, Keita Bates' job is going to Denver in this deal. Uh, the Rockets are getting Jordan Bell, also, so a smaller big man, and Noah Vonleh is going to Minnesota. So, yeah. uh, or is going um, to the Nuggets from Minnesota. You're right, and. Um, uh, Jared Vanderbilt is also going to Minnesota and I think Shabazz I Napier
6: think, is involved in this. trade. Yeah, Shabazz
7: too. Napier um, and Noah Vonley with <laughs> losses. of being Good Lord. Well,
6: uh, there's, there's a second. No, no, no.
7: Napier. Oh, I guess Napier is going to Denver.
6: Good God. This is a mess. I'm telling center. you, this is like, it, it, it's like a 10. It's a double digit player trade, four teams involved. And w- Really, I think it speaks to, I mean, when you guys are listening to this, we record these, it's just the night before for the day of, you know, so you guys are waking up. This is your February 5th edition of NBA takeaways, and it might already have happened by the time you're consuming this. But there's another trade that I think this is very implicated of, you know, like there's a big one that's being rumored that I think what Minnesota did here kind of speaks to that. But let's finish up on, on kind of this talk here for a minute, because... Capella coming off the team, and I guess you got like you said, there's a pseudo big man and a guy like Jordan Bell that's involved in it. It's just such it is the most Mike D'Antoni move I've ever seen where you you have got a guy that can go 20 and 20 on a night in and I'm talking 20 points, 20 rebounds. He could just sit under the block and just play that force. If another team has another big man in there, especially, you know, the modern day big man, which this probably comes to part of it can get out and shoot threes. You want to have a guy that can, you know, step up regardless. is not one of those guys. That's exactly what D'Antoni would want. He just says screw it. I don't care. I we don't care if you're going to come and bring up Carl Anthony Towns or Deandre Ayton. We're not going to try to defend it. We're going to kill you with offense and they wanted this perimeter shooter. They wanted the old school Trevor Ariza and they got the modern day version in Rob Covington. So it fits D'Antoni's game plan, which maybe is good. But I feel like this is the impetus to that conversation when the Rockets are in the playoff, Bogman, that everyone says, can just nothing but offense really win a championship? And it's kind of hard to stomach still.
7: Yeah, I don't I do not do not like this. You know, look, I, I've been I've been critical, critical of Mike D'Antoni for a very long time and. This goes back to when the Suns uh, were, you know, kept losing to the Lakers and the Spurs in the playoffs. Yeah. And Mike D'Antoni was the coach. And I told one of my best friends, who's the biggest Suns fan I've ever met in my life, they'll never win a title with Mike D'Antoni as the head coach. And to my chagrin, my Rockets hired him. And he, of course, reminded me of what I told him uh-huh. at that point. And he I is. said, I stand by it. And it has not worked out so far. So I don't know. You know, this is a very strange deal. I guess maybe they'll have some money to potentially sign a center uh, next year. I thought maybe Hartenstein was going to get a long look. He started tonight, but he was so clunky and bad. They only gave him three minutes. He was terrible tonight. So I thought maybe I even speculated on our in this league, uh, the real big three podcast the Welsh that maybe Juan her, uh, her- and go- uh, Hernan Gomez is going to go back to the Rockets for a second-round pick because that was a rumor uh, because Hardenstein looked so bad. And I guess Jordan Bell is going to be the guy. So,
6: Well, I mean, interesting for him. I'll tell you, Atlanta looks crazy trippy to me now because this is a starting lineup that I can get behind. You know, if they weren't so young and... You know, um, just maybe experience you could think higher, but sneakily, I mean, what is Atlanta's record right now? It's garbage, isn't it? Like let me Yeah, they're terrible. That, uh, how te- because this is what I'm not fully understanding outside of, and maybe I just haven't dug deep. Yeah, they're they're I thirteen mean, and thirty-eight. They're the, the worst in the east. But they're making moves like a team that is chomping at the bit for a playoff spot and, well, and they got you, young pieces but they Collins. got jeff teague but i'm saying they got jeff teague and capella those were moves they made to go with con they have jabari parker those are those are veterans they added with their super young guys bogs but are it's probably more they're just taking on money that other teams don't worry about because they don't have any contracts
7: well that is definitely part of it but also when a team is looking to unload a contract because they pulled a bad one in in Westbrook, this is taking advantage and it's very, very smart what the Hawks are doing here. Now I love this move for the Hawks because now you got a uh, tremendous front court in Capella and John Collins to go with your superstar in Trey young on the back end. uh, I will say for fantasy, especially since uh, our guy, John Collins has been going nuts this is going to wreck him a little
6: bit. Uh, this is not a super great move. Yeah, for him. But I mean, for a maturation standpoint, I don't know, dude. I just keep looking at Atlanta and I go, this lineup, this is like the Pelicans. This is like yes. the East. Yeah, you very know, much This so. is like what they've been doing. Like I look at that starting lineup and I go, this is good. I actually look at their bench and I go, man, they got Teague and Reddish and Bembry and Jabari Parker and Alex Lynn that can all come off the bench. This is actually like a sneaky team if they could just get it all together. So, Atlanta becomes more dangerous. Now, is Capella a free agent after this year? Or does he have years on his contract, Do you know?
7: Uh, no, Capella Capella's got a big contract. Uh, I I think thought he has he had 3 years contract. left on it. They just they just re-signed him to an extension last year because that was the uh, that that was the thing. Uh, they they had to sign him or he was going to go get money somewhere else. So, they signed him him to the deal and then they traded for um, they traded for Westbrook and that was kind of what hamstrung them as far as making any other moves. That's why they couldn't go get a Bob Covington without moving him. And they did move him. So, uh, uh
6: it's, it's wild. Him. I just, I, I, I think Atlanta has put themselves in a position for next year where they're going to have a really competitive young roster. The, I think they make the playoffs. I, I do too. I'm totally with you. I Let's think,
7: not forget the 13 and 38 this season. Welsh, uh, but. They were missing John Collins for the first what was it twenty or twenty five games twenty five because of his uh, PED suspension. So they're missing him, and they get Capella. So they go in next year with fresh Collins, Capella, and Trey Young. They're going to be
6: great. And year. and imagine you know if they can come and bring in maybe I mean just one more stud in the draft if they got a top five pick maybe a big old shooter to compete with a herder or maybe you know um a more complete. Small forward and DeAndre Hunter can come off the bench. I I totally agree that they're a playoff team. The other moves in this, I don't think it's crazy, crazy big. But here's the other thing before we actually talk about a few of the games. I mean, you know, the trade deadline is kind of the big thing that people are locked into is the rumor, which could happen by the time you're listening to this, is that Minnesota is in full, full court press to try to get D'Angelo Russell. This is what they they want. Uh, Dan Bespris, our buddy Dan Bespris, even just tweeted: Minnesota sure as heck seems like they are gearing up to make D'Lo the missing point guard through the moves and the presumed rumored trade. I don't know if it's going to be three teams. It might be, but the big pieces that we're looking at is D'Angelo Russell would go from Golden State to Minnesota, and Minnesota just you know got involved in this and probably shed some stuff they needed to do, and you know Napier's out of there and that Andrew Wiggins would go to Golden State, Bogman, and that would be a blockbuster trade.
7: Yeah, I mean, this one is hard to read for me because I feel like this is the we-need-to-appease cat move. So, uh, you know, they've already done that once by getting rid of Jimmy Butler, right? And now... He's uh not having a good time. They've lost twelve straight games, the Wolves have. So uh, earlier today, they actually uh I think I can't remember if it was Wojs Shams, one of those guys tweeted out that they have broken off talks in this deal because uh the Warriors want too much back. And, you know, it's one of those things where look, this isn't the trade line, so they clearly have not cut ties or anything. This is just a you know, medium
6: move. Here's to the say, well here's look, the tweet. we're trying, and right, here's the right. tweet because Shams is the one I think that had Shams. said all this earlier. He says Golden State is moving on from D'Angelo Russell conversations with Minnesota at this juncture. Sources are telling the Athletic Warriors have been clear with Minnesota on the price point, and Timberwolves to this point are not willing to meet it. Though I would throw out to you that Minnesota just made a move to shed Covington off. They got and I can't remember. Did they get a first round pick back in this? deal? I think
7: um, you have to well, go back I go. just read though. it all to you. But there's so much I can't remember. Well, how.
6: they did get a guy like uh, I think they got Malik Beasley in that trade. So just throwing it out, you know, maybe that's something that they could throw in. You know, maybe there's a young piece. Minnesota, Minnesota. got
7: Atlanta's first round pick from the Nets. I mean, dude. I- so that is probably so if it's that and their first round pick, which is not insignificant, it might have to be protected for this year. Um because Minnesota losing 12 in a row is one of the worst teams in the league now. They only have 15 wins. I think they're like 15 and 36 or somewhere in that neighborhood as well. So, I mean, they're like three games. They're closer to the Warriors than they are to the Grizzlies. And Minnesota as far should be... As a playoff spot.
6: They should be more motivated than any team because, like, Carl Anthony Towns was talking about getting out of town. This move allows them to bring in his best friend. These two would be playing on the same team, want to stay in the same place. This That's why... Uh, and
7: I didn't mean to cut no, you, you off, and I
6: know I've done it like 10 times. Oh, we times. both I'm have. Sorry. There's just so much going so, on, dude.
7: Uh, I just, uh, I think that that is kind of, that's kind of my point as far as just it, at least they're looking like they're trying to appease him. And, and and that's, to me, it's that is getting on my damn nerves. Like, Cat is a great statistical player, but he lacks effort on defense, and he's never going to carry your team. He's just not. He's not that dude. So, you know, Jimmy Butler is and they flipped him because Cat is much younger and more marketable and all that nonsense. But they have 15 wins this year. Yeah. And he set out a bunch of games with him throwing up air quotes, you know, an injury where he's never missed games. The only time he missed games in his career was last year after he got in a car accident.
6: I, I think so, the construction is kind of wonky, but. Um, I think the talent has also been kind of lacking. I think this clears that room, man. They like Jared Culver. That's good. You bring in Russell. Now, I know Sham said that, but he said that two hours prior to this move that Minnesota makes. And in my mind, what Minnesota did was a clear indication that they're making a, a big play. And obviously, Golden State said, hey, we want I think Golden State said we want a first round pick. We need to make it happen. And they can now offer Wiggins and a first round pick and maybe something else. Maybe it's a Beasley. Maybe it's something else. I, I can't imagine a you know a Jared Culver goes in there, but you know, they could throw out um another young piece maybe in a Koji or I, I don't know what what exactly it would look like, but they traded away. I mean, didn't Napier go in this trade? Uh
7: yeah, Napier went to uh Denver.
6: So. Yeah. So I mean you you just have more room for this. I-, I think this trade is gonna go down. Maybe by the time people are listening to this as well. I think you're going to see this Andrew Wiggins, uh, D'Angelo Russell trade come to fruition. There might be a third team, though. You know, m- hey, maybe Andrew Wiggins isn't the piece that goes to Golden State. I kind of think it is. I think, you know, he kind of fits some of the mold. For, I think that makes the most sense. Yeah, I do, too. I think that makes the most sense. And my gosh, the trade deadline isn't even till Thursday. All right. <laughs> it's
7: not even till Thursday. So and did you see? Uh, I couldn't believe the Knicks fired uh, Mills, uh, their team president. And GM right before the trade
6: deadline as and he was working he, on a trade. Buy. I think he was like working <laughs> through there. I think there's some Julius Randall trade stuff. And I think the right. Knicks were exploratory about Russell and about Kyle Kuzma. And then they're just like,
7: so, yeah, you hear all these rumors about them wanting to trade for forwards, more forwards on the Knicks. And I'm like, what are they doing they're trying to just make me look even worse they're the, with Mitchell They're Robinson.
6: the anti-Rockets, dude. They're just yes, like, 100%. we just want all forwards. Rockets are like, we just want all perimeter shooters and guards. And the Knicks are like, nah, we just want 12 big men.
7: Yeah, yeah, it's crazy,
6: man. So that's another one. Randall's on the block. Um, you've got Wiggins, Russell. There's other names that could shock out there. NBA trade deadline going down on Thursday. So we've still got um, enough breakdown. I mean, we'll have a, a day breakdown before and then, obviously, the Friday edition will be post-NBA trade deadline, and there might be some more fireworks. So, Bog, do you want to actually break down a few of the games that went down? Yeah, yeah, let's, to, uh, let's talk about I it. I was about to say, I don't think any of the teams that made a trade played on Wednesday night. The Rockets night. Did. That, Yeah, that is not true, because the Rockets did play. Uh, we'll talk about them in a minute. How about first game up, Bucks and Pelicans. I was talking to you about how much I love watching the Pelicans, but they lost to the, uh, I love watching the Pelicans uh, play in general. They lost to the Milwaukee Bucks one twenty to one hundred eight. That was in New Orleans. New Orleans now twenty and thirty one, and the Bucks are forty three and seven with a twenty and four away record. Unbelievable. Um, Bogman over on the Pelican side, led by the two names that you would expect. Brandon Ingram had thirty two points with seven rebounds. He was twelve for nineteen from the field, hit three threes. Zion Williamson. Only five for 19 from the field. Ooh, Ooh. twenty points, seven rebounds, five assists, but was 10 for 14 from the free throw line. Missed all of his three pointers. Those are your two big guys. You know, I also saw Brandon Ingram being a piece of conversation as far as the trade market goes. I uh, imagine. He ain't getting
7: flipped. No way. They, they, they love him there. He ain't getting flipped. But this game, this was the third quarter because the Bucks were actually down going into the halftime by a couple points and then they won the third quarter 42 to 24. I mean you know you win you win a quarter by um, what is that 18 points and you wind up winning by 12 so a uh, huge huge third quarter for the bucks in this one yeah
6: uh, Lonzo uh, Lonzo ball by the way um, had a, more rebounds or had the same amount of rebounds as Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson combined ball had 14, <laughs> 14 14 rebounds with 11 points but was four for 12. Listen to these percentages, dude. Brandon Ingram was 12 for nine, which is great. Zion Williamson, five for 19. Derek favors. Oh, for three ball four for 12 and drew holiday three for 14. I mean, that starting lineup is gross. They shot 38% as a team and the starters were trash. They only had 28% from the three point line, making 14 of them. And it got away from them over on the Buck side. GA had 17 rebounds with six assists and 34 points. Hit a three, shot a three, nice to see. Nine for 13 from the free throw line, 12 for 17 from the field. Chris Middleton, 20 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. Double-digit points for the rest of the starters. Bledsoe had seven assists with 16 points and really not much production off the bench. But efficiency, friendos, 47% from the field. And I think the only guy that did not shoot 50% from the field was Eric Bledsoe for the bucks. He was seven for 20, but everybody else was 50% or higher. That's how you get it done.
7: Yeah. And, uh, Zion, uh, I had a quote from him. Uh, hold on. Where'd I, where'd it go? He said, um, Oh man, where'd this, I'm sorry. I just completely lost it. my, my phone went away from me. He said it was very physical. It was one of those nights where I couldn't get my uh, second jump layup to fall. It was very frustrating, but my teammates were in my ear telling me to keep going. And they just, I mean, that's what happens when you play GA. You know, oh, yeah. your first game against GA, you ain't going to look very good. And that's exactly what happened to him. So,
6: yeah, best player in the NBA. All right, your Rockets. Uh, we're just kind of going in order of games. You know, they they came out with a win against the Hornets as they should. 125-110 uh, 32 wins on the season now. I don't know if there was really anything to do with the game. If it was, you know, deadlines coming to a close. Maybe D'Antoni hits more of a point home of what this team needs to be. But uh, Capella was not on the court in this one. They, it, yeah, they kept saying heel injury for uh, Capella over mm-hmm. the last week. That's
7: why he hasn't played. I mean, P.J. Tucker started center uh, for the Rockets in this game. That's played how
6: small they're going. 41 minutes, too. Forty-one yeah. minutes, thirteen points, ten rebounds, three steals. Harden dropped forty in this one. There was no Westbrook. Uh, he had. Uh, it was a rebound short of a triple double. Twelve assists, nine rebounds. You know, and back to your point. You know, there might. This game could have played a tiny role in the Rockets understanding. Like, look, man, from we got nine rebounds from House. We got ten rebounds from Tucker. Harden dropped twelve. You know, Westbrook is a ten rebound type of guy. Like, yes, we're not gonna have a guy that can go up and pound, but. We have players that are out of position capable of high rebounds. And Tucker is just one of those smaller forwards that can play up. So the Rockets just felt confidence. And I mean, this was a type of game where you would look and you go, man, house dropped 22 with nine rebounds in 42 minutes. He played Harden was great. Uh, Eric Gordon was not great. He was 0 for 12 from the three-point line, which probably also overstated why they want Bob Covington. So this is like a <laughs> microcosm of why the Rockets made the trade, probably.
7: Well, it was crazy. You know, it was crazy this game. Charlotte got embarrassed last night. They scored 26 points in the second half or 28 or something. It was terrible. It was a bad look. They uh, they talked about how they weren't moving the ball and stuff. So they came out firing in this game. They were up 12 going into the second quarter and then the Rockets won the second quarter and were only down a point going into halftime. But um, what you saw in this game was, like, they, Hartenstein played only three minutes in this game. And you would think, okay, he played three minutes, he must come in at the end when the Rockets were up big. No. He played in all three minutes in the first quarter and looked like such garbage out there that they pulled him out and did not play him again. So, after he played those three minutes, They went with a seven man rotation for the rest of the game. So, um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be short bench, uh, quick rotations and long minutes for the Rockets uh, for the rest of the season here. I don't know who else we're going to see getting involved. Obviously, Wesley didn't play in this game, so uh, he'll be back. But it's going to be it's going to be a weird look. For sure, for Houston, for the rest of the year.
6: Uh, just on Charlottesville, Bridges was twenty and fifteen. Uh, Rozier dropped twenty himself. Graham had a double double, ten assists, sixteen points, and Malik Monk has really picked it up in the uh, in the last I don't know three weeks. Had nineteen point six rebounds, two for three from the three point line off of the bench. Uh, two more games here. The Nuggets beat up the Portland Trailblazers. One twenty-seven to ninety-nine. Denver won their thirty-fifth of the year. The Trailblazers drop into twenty-three and twenty-eight as uh, the game really got. I mean, it started out of hand, but the second quarter, Portland put up ten points, where Denver kept their uh, feet on Lord. the gas. I know, with twenty-seven points. So you know, as as much as the second half was competitive, the second quarter put Portland completely off the rails. They only had Portland's two guys. Nothing.
7: They're nothing with when Lillard isn't hitting shots. They're they got nothing. And that's and what he, happened in
6: this one. Eight, eight for of 23. twenty-three. Yeah, dude. McCollum eight for eighteen. The rest of the starters combined outside of McCollum and, and Lillard combined for fifteen points. And I believe if I can do the quick math here, they were five for sixteen. The other three starters mm-hmm. were a combined five for sixteen. So they shot under forty percent. They only hit nine threes in this. They were just completely behind where you have a, have a team like Denver who they shot over 50% from not only the field, but the three-point line. Jokic, sis shy of a triple-double. Murray had 20 points. Barton and Grant, both 16 and 17 points so in the double-digit range. And they got a bunch of bench time out there. And even actually funny seeing Beasley here, 24 minutes, uh, 14 points prior to the trade. He, uh, you know, looking okay.
7: Yeah, um, I just... Denver, Denver's going to be fine. Like, uh, they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be okay. Jamal Murray coming back in this one after missing a couple games, obviously, but Portland, I'm just worried about like, you know, Lillard had been absolutely on fire before hitting a wall in this game. And, you know, traveling to Denver is never a fun thing. He's got to be just worn ass out at this point, you know, putting up 50 points and 40 points and all that stuff and no one else helping him. Uh, that was my concern about Portland coming into the year, and it's really uh, coming to fruition here. So going to be a long season. for
6: them. Yeah. Uh, last one, Lakers and Spurs. I just feel like the Lakers are probably sitting there just being like, we need to get involved in all these trades. All these exciting trades are going on, and we're not involved. That's why Kyle Kuzma's on the block, by the way. <laughs> uh, the Lakers, they beat up the Spurs 129 to 102. The Lakers had a 42.4th quarter. They scored more points every single quarter of the game. In route to the 38th win of the year over on San Antonio's side, DeMar DeRozan, great game, 28 points, nine rebounds, seven assists was 12 for 21 from the field, but the rest of the starters did not put up their weight. I, uh, I think Aldridge was in the single digits. You had Murray and Forbes combined for 25 points between them and the percentages were okay, but they just got out muscled by the Lakers where LeBron rebounds, 9 assists. Anthony Davis didn't need to do too much, but he was efficient, 8 for 12 from the field. And um, off the bench, Kyle Kuzma had a double-double, 18 points with 12 rebounds and 4 assists. And Dwight Howard, also 12 points, 11 rebounds. Lakers. Dominating on the Spurs. This is
7: just going to be a brutal stretch for the Spurs too, because they're they've got eight straight road games because they're doing the rodeo or something at the Alamo Dome uh, this time of year in San Antonio. I can't remember what it is, something in San Antonio. But they open up at the Clippers and Lakers are their first two on a back to back. Also, by the way, terrible terrible draw there, and they choked that game against the Clippers last night. Then uh, facing a fresh Lakers team, got stomped. They're at Portland on Thursday. Then they are at Sacramento, at Denver, at Oklahoma City, at Utah, and then at Oklahoma City again. I mean, what are they going to win? Two of those games? Two of eight, probably? I bet they beat Portland and Sacramento and lose the rest. So this is going to knock them all the way out of the playoffs, this road trip. So going to be a long year for the Spurs after this uh, eight-game road trip here. And that's all the way damn near to the end of February. They don't go home home until the 26th.
6: Yeah. Uh, coming up tonight, uh, if you guys are looking at games, you got a pretty good full slate of games that you're going to be hit up with where you have got, I'm trying to see what teams of the traded teams, are any of them playing? I don't see any. Well, Hawks, so you're probably not going to see Clint Capella. But your games, you got Suns, Pistons, Pacers, Raptors, over on ESPN Magic and Celtics, that should be solid. Warriors, Nets, Cavs, Thunder. I'm guessing the Capella list Hawks are going up against the Wolves. I mean, geez, these guys are all involved in these trades. So <laughs> I would also speculate. I wonder if we're going to get big trade news before the Timberwolves game. Uh, Grizzlies, Mavericks, Nuggets, Jazz, and Heat and Clippers the night game over on ESPN. And, you know, that will signify, I mean, inside the 24 hour marker from the trade deadline as we are stepping into those <clears> games. <throat> it's Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern. I think by the time you're listening to this or sometime Wednesday, you're going to see a D'Angelo Russell trade. But it doesn't mean there's not going to be a lot of other counter you know, counter moves that are going to happen leading up to the deadline. Teams might literally still be determining their seating in the playoffs and their competitiveness Thursday morning. That might still be the spot. Who knows? A team like the Phoenix Suns. In another one, the Phoenix Suns were looking at Luke Kennard. Um, You know, big shooter. The The Suns haven't been great, but it doesn't mean that they're still not viable to go for an eight spot in the West.
7: Yeah, uh, it's uh, I think that eight spots going to be locked up by the Grizzlies pretty soon. Here, you know, they finally got to 500. They seem to be pulling away here, but uh, that's at least uh, uh, to me going after Canard kind of says, uh, who's the guy Cameron Johnson? He ain't working out very well. Yeah, it wasn't the so. best
6: pick, even though everyone got real excited about like, hey, look, I'm trying to think of who his teammate was. It was so excited for him. But that was Kobe White. That's what it was. Yeah, it didn't matter. So, all right, a little bit uh, longer there. Lots of stuff. to Talk about the big woge bombs and expect more over the next 36 hours. That is Bogman. I am Welsh. This is Hardwood Takeaways right here on the Sports Grid. We're back with you again tomorrow.